0: Thanks for tuning in to MANA, a short daily meditation to feed hungry souls with God's Word. These episodes were prepared by ordained ministers for a radio broadcast called Voice of the Church, and are now republished by the Reformed Perspective Foundation, a Canadian charity that applies biblical truth to the issues of our time. Here's today's serving. Hello, listeners. February is the month of love. It may not be the month that we love, Because of the cold weather that we usually have this time of the year but we celebrate Valentine's Day during the month of February and Valentine's Day is supposed to be a celebration of love so over the next four messages that's what we're going to be talking about about love it's so important for us to understand what love is for all the talk that we hear about love for all the romantic movies that we've watched and all the love songs and love poetry that's been written, the Bible says you don't really know what love is. That's something that you have to learn. And you can only learn what love is from God. How can the Bible say that? What do you mean we don't know what love is? We know all about love. We know that people fall in love, and sometimes they fall out of love. Actually, that happens quite a lot. We know that love is a very powerful emotion. It's so strong that it's almost irresistible. We know what happens when people fall in love. They want to be around each other all the time. They enjoy each other's company. They spend hours and hours talking. They love to go and see and do things together. And we know that love is blind. Love keeps us from seeing our partner's weaknesses and shortcomings. When we're in love, we don't see any of that. We don't notice it. We only see what we want to see. We only see things that endear us to each other. That's what love is like. Sometimes there comes a moment when the feelings seem to die. Then we come down from the emotional high that we were on. Our eyes are opened, and we see the other person for who he or she is. And we see things that irritate us and that makes our love grow cold. Then we can't remember anymore what it was that attracted us to the other person. We fall out of love. Sometimes that just means that our relationship ends. We both agree that we're not meant for each other after all. We don't love each other. Sometimes it's a lot worse. The other person gets on our nerves and we start to hate them. But one way or the other, that's just how things work out. And there's nothing you can really do about it. That's how it is with love. That's what love is like. You can't control it. So you see, we do know a lot about love. Still, the Bible says, if that's how you think about love, you don't know what real love is. John wrote, By this we know love, that he laid down his life for us. John is talking about Jesus Christ, the Son of God, It wasn't that long ago that we celebrated Christmas. Christmas is the festival of the birth of Jesus Christ. Christmas is the celebration of Christ's love. In Philippians 2, the apostle Paul wrote, Though he was in the form of God, he did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped, but emptied himself by taking the form of a servant, being found in the likeness of men. That's actually one of the first Christmas carols from Philippians 2. Paul says that Christ is the Son of God. He was equal with God. He had glory and unlimited power. But he emptied himself. Another translation of these words says, He made himself nothing. In other words, he gave up, willingly, his place of power and glory. Paul explains why he did that by saying he did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped. He means Jesus didn't think that being equal with God was something that he should hold on to at all costs, and especially not at the cost of our salvation. Jesus had a choice. He could hold on to his power and his glory and leave us in the mess that we had made for ourselves. Or he could make himself nothing. He could set aside his own interests, his own happiness, the place that he deserved and that he enjoyed, and become one of us. One of us. We think it's amazing if a great person, a great athlete or a powerful person in business or politics notices us. We talk to other people about the time we actually saw some movie star in person or when the prime minister shook our hand when he visited our town. When billionaires give a million dollars to charity, it makes headlines. But those things are nothing compared to what Jesus Christ did. He emptied himself. He made himself nothing and became one of us. Now, I'm not knocking billionaires who donate millions of dollars to help other people, but how many billionaires ever moved out of their estates in New York, or their penthouses in Los Angeles, or their mansions in Toronto, and went to live on the street, or in an aid shelter in Africa? How many of them ever gave up all of the privileges and protection and security that their fortunes gave them? and expose themselves instead to sickness, and starvation, and abuse, and injustice, in a place where there was no help available, in a situation they couldn't escape when disaster came. I'm not saying that they have to do that, and I'm not criticizing them if they don't do that. They have the right to live in their beautiful homes. They have the right to make use of the privileges, That their wealth provides them they don't owe it to the poor people or to any of the people in the third world to give away all their money and go and live with them and live like them that's actually the point of what paul says and of what john says about what jesus did jesus didn't owe us anything and the mess that we were in was the mess we had made for ourselves It was all because of choices that we made. And we didn't just make what we might call bad choices. We're not in a mess because we made bad choices. We're in a mess because we made selfish choices, and we made malicious, hateful choices. I don't know about you, but when people who've made a mess of their own lives by their foolish and selfish choices ask for help, I'm reluctant to give it to them, to say the least. And if they don't ask me for help, I'm not very likely to give them any. You know what? Even when I'd like to help someone, it often seems like their problems are too big and too complicated for me or for anyone else to solve. But that's what Jesus did. He came into this world, and he became one of us, even though we had brought all of our suffering and sorrow on ourselves. our sin, even though our problems were all our own fault, even though our problems were so big and so complicated that the only answer, the only solution, was for him to lay down his life and die in our place. We've never heard of anyone doing such a thing. There are lots of other religions out there besides Christianity, but they all preach that we have to save ourselves that's what everyone says that's what everyone believes some offer us a religious or a spiritual solution others say that it takes more money or better education or we can help ourselves through improvements in science and medicine that's the answer but we've been trying all of those solutions for thousands of years and we haven't really solved a single problem, have we? We haven't fixed what's wrong with us. Our problem is way too big, way too much for us to solve, because the problem is us and we can't fix ourselves. But John says, by this we know love, that Jesus Christ laid down his life for us. And Paul says it this way in Philippians 2, being found in human form, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. That's love, John says, that Jesus Christ laid down his life for us, that he treated us in a way that we didn't deserve to be treated, that he laid down his life for our salvation. We've never known that kind of love, And we've certainly never shown anyone else this kind of love. It's not something that we're naturally capable of. It's way more than a feeling. It's way more powerful than any emotion. Love is a radical commitment to the well-being, to the good of someone else at my own cost. Love is a commitment to the good of someone who doesn't deserve it. Of someone who actually gives you every reason to be frustrated with them, to be disappointed with them to want nothing more to do with them, of someone who gives you every reason to hate them and turn away from them. But that's what Jesus Christ did. He loved the unlovable. Sometimes a husband or wife might ask their spouse, why do you love me? Or one of them might say to the other, this is what I love about you. In other words, there's something that makes me lovable, something that makes you lovable there's something about you that attracts me to you, that makes me love you. Of course, that shows us, if we think that way, that the feeling or the attraction that we call love is more about what the other person does for us or how they make us feel than about what we want to do and be for them. Jesus Christ wasn't attracted to us. He doesn't point at us and say, that's what I love about you. The love of Jesus Christ for us has no explanation, at least not when we look at ourselves. There's nothing about us that makes us lovable. He doesn't love us because of how we make him feel. He doesn't love us because of what he thinks we can do for him. He loves us not because of who we are, but because of who he is and what he's like. He loves us because he's committed to our salvation. In the gospel that he wrote in chapter 13, John tells a story about something that Jesus did just before he went to the cross. He was celebrating the Passover with his disciples. And as they were about to eat, John says, Having loved his own who were in the world, he loved them to the end. He loved them to the uttermost, says another translation he came to them as their servant. He came to them as a slave. He knelt down in front of each one of them, and he washed their feet. That was an illustration of Jesus' whole ministry, of why he came into the world, and why he went to the cross. It was love. He loved us to the uttermost. He loved us with an extreme love. This is the great surprise of the gospel. It's unimaginable. It's completely unexpected that Jesus Christ, the Son of God, would lay down his life for us. This is the good news that no human heart has ever imagined, and no other religion has ever proclaimed. Paul said to the Ephesians, I pray that you will have the strength and to comprehend what is the breadth, and length, and height, and depth, and to know the love of Christ that surpasses knowledge. That's our prayer for you, listeners, that you will come to know this love that surpasses knowledge, and to trust in his death as the sacrifice for your sins. Thank you for listening.